This is Conversations on Discipleship with Father Adam Streitenberger from St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and Diocese of Columbus Media. Welcome to Conversations on Discipleship. I'm your host, Father Adam Streitenberger. With me today is Bill Messerly. Welcome, Bill. Uh, thank you, Father Adam, and um, thank you for doing this program. Well, my pleasure. Bill, of, of course, is very familiar as um, president. Is that right? President of St. Gabriel? Uh, executive Radio? director. Executive director. Yeah. Of, that's a very catchy title, executive director. <laughs> um, they couldn't get it in one word. St. Gabriel Radio. You know, for some reason, I have a horrible memory um, remembering people's titles. I can mm. remember their names, but never their titles. So, yeah. yeah. But well, you've been doing this for some time now. I understand that you're approaching 400 shows. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't quite re- I I don't know where exactly we're at, but Dave is the one I think that keeps keeps those counts for us. So. Yeah. Well, let's start with the prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. Lord God, we give you thanks for the gift of Catholic Radio and for St. Gabriel Radio. We ask that you bless our listeners, bless those who are listening today, um, bless those most especially in need of our prayers. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Bill, as we begin, um, you know, as you know, on Conversations on Discipleship, we always start with your story, how you came to know the Lord, maybe your encounter with Him or conversion experience. Um, So, if you could, share yours with us. You know, it's interesting that you asked me to share this story. At this point in my life, I've had some reflection on my early years in my family, my mom has been ill for some time. We've been caring for my mom, and I've had a lot of time with her to kind of reflect on how the faith was passed on to us, because sometimes we don't realize how it's done when we're in the midst of it. I think that my faith journey started with my mom's mom's passing. Uh, she passed when she was 13, so she and her sisters raised the family, and from that she realized that life was not always um, a basket of roses, but a life of service to others, and she carried that on to uh, our family, that she had 12 children, accepted them lovingly, had a lot of joy, and from a very early age, we knew that we were supposed to serve others, and that communicating with God was normal, natural, and very good. Beautiful. How many um, brothers and sisters did your mother have? Uh, So we had 12 total. I was one of them, and she always referred to us on our lunch bag uh, by uh, what number you were. So I was boy four, B4, (laughs) K7. Great. So you grew up in Lancaster. Yep, grew up in Lancaster, yep, in a nice, humble home. My mom and dad moved into what they called as a large home at the time, It was two and a half bedrooms and one bath, and she said that the person who lived there before always prayed for a large family. They weren't blessed with a large family, but that when they moved in, the prayers got out of committee, and they had a large family. (laughs) Great, great. And then St. Mary's, is that where you... Grew up in St. Mary's, blessed by many, many holy priests, uh, Father Wolf in particular, I know, during my formative years and my teenage years. Uh, was a beautiful priest for our family. My father 
was one of the first uh, extraordinary ministers of communion. At the time, that was not very uh, pervasive, but it became more pervasive as I've, uh, as I've aged. And maybe sometimes we take a little bit for granted. My father told me that he needed to pray about what Father Wolf had asked him to do, along with um, Father, uh, Dr. Welsh in Lancaster and maybe a few others. And so he didn't take it for granted that it was a, it was a very important role to play as an extraordinary minister. And for my faith, to see my father pray, really pray, was a great gift. The, uh, there's something about Lancaster. You know, I, um, you know there's so many um, leaders in the, the Diocese of Columbus and the local church of all ages, really. Um, and, and of all generations that have come out of Lancaster, and specifically St. Mary's in Lancaster. And um, I, you know, what, what is it about Lancaster and maybe St. Mary's that has produced, I would say, really good, solid disciples? And maybe it's not the parish itself. Maybe it is a coincidence. I don't know. But The parish itself, I think, has real disciples. And I, I remember growing up, Johnny Height, he was a, a man who would as he was walking around town, pray the rosary, and that when he was in one of the two or three front pews would always fix his gaze on the Eucharist as the consecration was occurring. I think that those kinds of things for me and for many others brought the faith to a real faith, that this wasn't just a concept that Jesus Christ was becoming present to us in the Eucharist, that there were many that truly believed it and lived it. So I think that's the secret sauce. And I know that you are an expert in evangelization, the incarnational evangelization that's so important. You know, for me, as I listen to the conversations on discipleship over the last couple of years, many people have had a real crescendo event, and I've had crescendo events in my life. But for me, it was a very gradual, natural process of learning to communicate to Jesus in my prayer, to receive him weekly, and then to live a, a natural family life, community life, in a city that is smaller. Uh, you're a little bit more accountable in a smaller mm-hmm. city. Maybe that's part of you know, the Lancaster, the, the Newark, and other small uh, cities around the diocese. That's the real gift of them, that you can't hide from truth. You live the truth, mm-hmm. yeah. So you mentioned um, from both your grandmother um, with her passing and then your mother, this sort of, um, it was really kind of um, built into you a recognition of the presence of the Lord. And, you know, we talk about um, understanding God or relating to God in a very personal way. Um, You know, our God is not just the God of creation, but he is a personal God who wishes to really be a part of your life. So, you know, from the beginning, this was kind of built into you to see things like that. Um, you know, how, um, when you were, were little and young, how were you kind of taught to pray? Well, I'm not sure if I was actively taught to pray, yeah. but we did pray the rosary together as a family. And it was interesting. I told my mom, we prayed the rosary all the time. And she said, Bill, we didn't pray it all the time. We just <laughs> prayed it occasionally. But I remember those occurrences, and then we would pray together before we went to bed, and we would uh, thank God for the gifts that we had that day, kind of an examine. So I I learned without book 
knowledge of how to pray, how to pray, because at the end of the day, we really should talk to God and thank him for the gifts we've had during the day and pray for those people in need and ask for forgiveness for the things that we need to do better uh, the next day. I think the other way that I learned to pray is just to watch my father and mother. Uh, they both worked, my mom at home, and when my dad would come home from work many times, she would uh, walk up to, to church, to St. Mary's, and have a holy hour, quiet hour with our Lord. My father would do the same thing some of those days, go up to uh, a quiet, you know, holy hour, or wake up early in the morning and go to Mass. So it wasn't just a Sunday faith for my parents. And then my sisters and brothers, you know, really learned the aspects of virtues and living those virtues. And that sets a, a bar when you have older brothers and sisters that are trying to live as best they can a service-oriented, virtuous life. I wish there was a, a great book that I could uh, refer to, but there have been so many other great books. And when I got to high school, I was blessed with great coaches and teachers at, at Fisher Catholic in Lancaster. I'm sure it wasn't perfect, but in my eyes, it was a, a wonderful experience. The teachers really wanted you to grow in dedication, listening to others, serving others, taking your faith seriously. Again, I'm sure it wasn't perfect for some, but for me, it was really good. And then I had great coaches that taught me that you need to put forth your best effort and you need to continually improve. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, we, we really do believe in um, the oral transmission of the gospel and the truth. You know, we believe in tradition, big T tradition, that the faith is handed on not so much just in books, but also in in life and in activity and in witness. And, you know, the same with um, evangelization, you know, witnessing to the to Jesus Christ and to his basic message. Yeah, you know, we all think, well, if only I had a book I could hand on to someone to read. And, you know, there are good books out there that you can do that, not just kind of know Jesus, but also various aspects of the life of the faith, you know, the catechism itself. But really what, what we um, need to also be able to do is to transmit it in, in a non-written kind of way. And that is through our witness in our life. Um, it is in our own ability to articulate and explain the faith. Um, but it would be easy if all we had to do was just hand on a book. And sometimes I think we, we fall into that temptation. You know, like, oh, I'm just going to give, you know, like with the Rescue Project, um, I think the book is Rescued, is that it? That, it is, yeah. Um, that they, they put out. And you're tempted to just hand it over to them. Well, Bill, we'll continue this conversation. You've been listening to Conversations on Discipleship. I'm your host, Father Adam Streitenberger. With me today has been the Executive Director of St. Gabriel, Bill Messerly. Thanks, and until next time, peace and all good. Boom. A Diocese of Columbus production in partnership with St. Gabriel Catholic Radio.